morning, everybody. Um, hope you've had a good week. It's finally starting to cool off in Phoenix. By cool off, I mean 99, not 100 plus. So, but uh, when those three digits drop off, it's actually starting to get kind of comfortable around here. So, uh, I don't know where you are if you're here in the valley. Obviously, you know that already. If you're not, wherever you are, I'm sure it's beautiful and cool. But uh, here's nice and toasty still. Uh, anyway, we're going to get into the Word today like we always do. Uh, uh, we just finished going through Colossians. If you've been tracking with us, you already know that. So um, you can those things are on video. They're on podcasts. So, yeah, there is a podcast now. You can go to it as well. You can find it in Apple. And uh, if you want to catch back up or you want to go through that again, you can. But today we're going to kind of turn the page and do something a little bit different. I'll get to that in a second. But if you want to come hang out with us, we would love for you to do that. We meet on Sunday nights here in Tempe, Arizona. You can reach out to us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that. You can email, uh, hit us up. We have a website. All that's there. And we'll tell you how to get where we are exactly. But we'd love for you to come. We just hang out, we munch down some food, drink coffee, Cokes, whatever other good quality healthy products might be in the house, and then uh, spend some time praying and just hanging out um, around each other and our own struggles and the struggles that we know that we have on behalf of others. And we pray pretty intentionally for a little while, and then we get into the Word, and we just spend some time really unpacking what the Word has to say uh, together as a group. And um, today, though, uh, much like any other uh, Sunday morning, I'm unpacking what the Word says, and we're going to pull that into discussion tonight. So like I said, today's going to be a little bit different. We're between series, so we finished this Colossians one. We're going to start one on uh, is God among us, not is God one of us. Is God here? Is he active? Is he involved? And uh, we'll talk more about that when we get ready to do that. But between these um, series that we do, try to spend a little bit of time uh, talking about who we are as a church, remembering uh, who we are, what we believe. Um, and we do that so that we can stay unified at Salt River Community Church. We can stay unified towards one common goal and mission and vision. So today we're going to address something. We're going to approach it. We're going to address something that doesn't get... Uh, discussed too often, and that's why should anybody care? Why should anybody care that there's a church in Tempe, Arizona called Salt River Community? Why should anybody care? Especially when there are other churches here. We're not the first. We're not the only one. So why have another one? Why does it matter? Um, we're going to talk about that today. We do have a mission. We do have a vision. We do have core values and goals. We'll actually talk about some of that today. Um, and we hope those things will help change this community but rather than just having a program that we run or programs that we run or outreach events that we do or a building that we open and expect people to come to, rather than doing all that, we want to be able to answer first why making disciples is important to us, why planting churches um, matters. And we want to be able to answer why Tempe, Arizona and the East Valley should care that we are Salt River Community Church here in this community. And uh, I try to always put this question as well in front of our team when we meet. I, I remind often, you know, what is it about Salt River Community Church? What is it about us as Salt River Community Church that might one day encourage a lost person 
to invite somebody. And what I mean by that is somebody might say the phrase, I'm not sure I believe in all this, but you should really come with me because these people blank. Now, a lost person might say, I'm not really sure I believe in all this that they talk about at Salt River Community Church, but you should really come with me because these people blank. Okay, that's something that I try to keep in our mind. And we want that to come without compromising the truth or hiding our purpose and mission statement. I'm not trying to say we're trying to become seeker here, seeker friendly, that we appeal to everybody. That's not what I'm saying. All right. And we'll get into that. So let's talk about how Salt River Community Church hopes to answer these questions. And if you're not here this morning, if you're not part of our church, then maybe this is something you need to think about. And consider in your own context, wherever you are. Maybe ask your church that you're involved in if they have thought about this. And if you want to know theologically what we believe, you can go to the Baptist Faith and Message online. It pretty much, uh, we're in line with that for the most part. So uh, maybe we'll talk about some of those things, but that's not where I'm at right now. So the passage that we're going to look at is real simple. It's two verses. It's John chapter 8. So if you got a Bible, grab it. John chapter 8, verse 31 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Man, what a great verse. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. It is your word above all other things that changes people, that changes lives, that's changed my life, that continues to change my life. Lord, I pray that your word will always direct our lives, Lord, that you will continue to open the eyes of the blind, to call people to you. I pray today, Lord, today you would save somebody, that somebody's eyes would be open, that you are who you say you are, and they would put their trust in you, Jesus. Do it today, please. Thank you again for your word. We love you. Ask you to be glorified in it. In Christ's name, amen. So if I said the phrase, where's the beef? <laughs> where's the beef? Some of you looking at me on the screen like I'm an idiot. If we were face-to-face, I'd know who you are, but I can't see you. So, (laughs) But if you grew up in the 80s, you may have just smiled a little bit. Um, That was actually a Wendy's commercial that mocked other fast food places for not having big patties or whatever. Basically, you consider the menu when you walk into a restaurant, fast food, Chinese food's another one that got the pictures all over the wall. Is that what it looks like? Is that what it looks like when they bring it out to you? Is that actually what you get? Um, On the other hand, there's with life, food and life in general, um, sometimes something may appear really pitiful to look at, but then when you kind of get close, you find there's some real beauty in it. And that's kind of the theme of all kinds of romantic comedies and, you know, fairy tales and all that kind of stuff. But the church should not be like either of those scenarios. The church should not be like either of those scenarios. We should be transparent. We should be honest. We should be honest and transparent at all times. We should be clear who we are, you know, to believers and unbelievers. We People should know exactly who it is and what it is they're getting close to when they come to Salt River Community Church or whoever your church is. Um, and here, 
We want to be open and clear. We want to be honest about who we are, what we are. We, we want you to know exactly what you found if you come to Salt River Community Church. We want you to know that. And we want Tempe and the East Valley of Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, to know we are their church. We are theirs. As a church, we belong to them. We live here. So we are part of this community. So we belong. So today we go under the microscope. Salt River Community Church, Tempe, Arizona. Why should anybody care? Why should anybody care? I'll give you really quick our core values. And I'm going to flip this screen here. So excuse me while I bend down to do that. But here you'll see our core values. They'll pop up on your I'll put them up on the screen where you can see them closer, but just so they stay in front of us. Um, love, truth, and mission. All right? Unconditional love. Unconditional love. That's where our evangelism comes from or how we share the gospel. Uncompromised truth. We don't compromise the truth. The truth comes from Scripture, from God's Word. And a unified mission. We are all together on the mission of making disciples. Unconditional love, uncompromised truth, and unified mission. So I'm going to use those kind of as the weight of how we walk through this text. So let's look back. I'll give you a handful. But let's look back at John 8, verse 31. Jesus says to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide, abide means to live or continue to reside in my word. Notice he says my word. You are truly my disciples and you will know or experience the truth and the truth will set you free. Notice his audience here is Jews to the Jews that believed. Now, why does that matter? Well, it wasn't just a random crowd. And why mention that it was the Jews? Well, the Jews had something that the random crowd did not have. What was it? It was Scripture. It was the Word of God. They had the Word of God. And Jesus is now saying, that's my Word. Jesus is calling it His Word. And it is. Jesus is saying there's this great blessing to for them who have the Word and live in it. So those who have it, Jesus said to the Jews who believe, who had it, and who believed him. So those who have his word, but also live in his word. Um, he says there's a great blessing. It's the truth. The truth is there. In the world of, the, of prisons and prison life, that word means a lot. Uh, it gets slung around in our world nowadays. But if you're in a, in a prison life, that word means a lot. There's no multiple truths. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth or his truth and her truth. The truth is the one thing that a prisoner most desperately wants to come out if they're innocent. And if they're guilty, it is the one thing they most want to avoid <laughs> But they know there's a truth. Truth is there's only one and it means something. Jesus said also in John chapter 17 and verse 17, he said, he, praying, praying to the Father about his disciples. He says, sanctify them in truth or set them apart in the truth. The truth should set you apart from others. It's only one of them. There is only one truth. Set them apart, God, in truth. Your word is truth. 
God's word, according to Jesus, is truth. Not only that, that truth would set you apart. This word, the gospel, the word of God here, this book, this Bible, should set you apart from others. It should do that. If you stand in it, if you abide in it, it will. That's what Jesus said. If you abide in my word, he says, you will know experientially here. Know truth. He's saying you're going to become intimate with it. You're going to become intimate with it. With, and he's talking about with him. Think about these verses. You may know them. John 5 verse 30 or John 14 verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. The word of God is the truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. It's my word. Or John 5, verse 39, what I started to say a second ago. He said, you, talking to the, the Jews who are arguing with him, he says, you search, the religious leaders, you search the scriptures because you think in them alone you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. He's saying, if you abide in the word of God, you're going to see Jesus. These words testify about him. He is the truth. And for that reason, we don't compromise on the truth. We are uncompromising on the truth because it is him. It's his word. It's God's word. It's Jesus. It's a, it, Jesus said that being intimate with the truth brings freedom. He's saying that, do you see what he's saying? He's saying that they know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, why do we need to be free from what? We live in a free country already, right? What do I need to be? I don't need to be free. Free from what? He's speaking to the Jews. It's freedom from the law. The law that condemns. He's saying you're free from condemnation. The truth of, here's the deal. You get in his word, you see the truth. The truth is Jesus is the truth. And when you see that, it will set you free from condemnation, from sin. From sin. Romans 8 verse 1, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. There is therefore now, right now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So often we tell people, oh, you're free, man, you're free. You believe in Jesus, you're going to be free. But then we turn right around and we heap all kinds of freaking burdens on them. Don't do this. Yeah, you're free, but don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't break that. Don't break that. Don't break that. Keep this law. Keep this commandment. Keep this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go there. And oddly enough, in John chapter 8, that's exactly what Jesus is making this statement against is all these laws they laid on people. And he's saying in Christ, in the truth, you find freedom. Not freedom to sin, freedom in Christ from sin. Now, no there, he says the no, the word no, K-N-O-W, it's not just about learning here. It's about experiencing. I mentioned that, but let me explain what he means. He means like, like the senses, like to see, to smell, to touch, to hear. He's saying that you will see, smell, touch, hear the truth. It is a person who makes truth tangible to the touch he's talking about so much more than just 
brain knowledge and learning. Being free of the law doesn't mean free of all concern or care here. It's free in Christ. It's free in Christ. What would that look like? What does free in Christ look like? How did Christ model for his disciples, life for his disciples? Was he just teaching and preaching to them the whole time? Not the whole, he did, but not the whole time. At times he preached and teached, but at other times he healed, he fed, he, he, he celebrated. In a word, I would say loved. Jesus was love personified. To put it this way, Paul says in Ephesians 4, 15, speaking the truth in love. We are to, we believers are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Paul said to speak the truth in love, not to learn the truth in love, not even to know the truth in love. He said we speak the truth in love, and that's how we grow. It's assumed that we already know. You can read, go back and read Ephesians 4 and the verses prior. You, it's assumed that you're already being taught. You've already been taught. You're already growing in that sense. But now he's saying that the truth of growth comes from speaking the truth. In love. What kind of love? How did Christ love you? It's unconditional love. Unconditional love. We, we have, we are uncompromising on the truth, but we speak with unconditional love. Unconditional love. And this is key to our outreach as a church, to our evangelism, our evangelism strategy, whatever you, how we share the truth of God's word is, is through unconditional love. Um, it's meant for those inside the church as well. I'm not saying it's only an outreach thing. I mean, it should be in both sides, but Jesus said in John 13, 35, that people would know we are his disciples by how we love each other, other disciples, how we love each other. So it's inside the church too, definitely, but he also says we should love our families. We should love our mothers, our fathers, brothers and sisters in a physical sense and spiritual sense. We should love our neighbors. That would be our community that we live in. And yes, even love our enemies. You know, thinking on the prison again, I, uh, I remember a time where I was talking to some Crips and, excuse me, I was talking to some, some crib. Well, I was talking to a group of guys and I was asking them about, could you love your enemies? And several of them, most of them who were believers in the prison, but they were believers and they said yes. And, or at least they knew they were supposed to and whatnot. So I asked a couple of crips, I said, could you love some bloods? Could you love, you know, a blood? And, you know, they kind of looked at me. Yeah, yeah, man, I can do that. And that's not, I'm not talking about tolerate them. I'm not talking about coexist with them. I'm not talking about putting up with them. I'm not even talking about liking them. I'm saying, can you love him while he still hates you as a crip because he's a blood? And again, he said he knew he was supposed to, but he said, I don't know that I can say yes to that. And the fact is, you can't. Here's the truth. Let me take the weight off of your shoulders. You cannot truly love your enemies. You, you can't do it. People have these crafty sayings in the church. Well, I don't have to like you, but I have to love you. God doesn't tell me I have to like you, but he tells me I have to love you. That, that falls so short of understanding the word love. It's such a cop-out. The point is you can't love your enemy, but 
Christ can. You know how I know Christ can? Because he already has. Guess what? He loved you. If you're a believer and you've given your life to him, you were saved by grace alone. Romans says, while we were yet sinners, Christ shows his love for us. We were enemies in that he died for us. If he can love you and he can love me, I promise you, as the filthy sinner that I was, then he can love your enemies. And in Christ now, we have that freedom to love our enemies. He will love them through us. I can look at somebody and allow unconditional love to happen for that person, even if there's a million reasons why I don't like them. There's something in me that would be compelled to love them. And I don't mean a cop out like, oh, I don't like you, but I love you. No, no, no. I mean to, to really care deeply and have that love. It comes through Christ, love, and, love for them. Um, but is that evident in the way we speak the truth as the church? I'm not, I mean, I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying the way we share the person of truth, Jesus, the way we share the word of truth, his word, does that come across in love? Would the world, would your community, the people around you, would they say, yeah, they, I love when they talk about Jesus. I love when they talk about the word because there's so much love in it. Are we really heartbroken for people? Or are we just banking a number? Oh, get, we, numbers are up this week. Hey, COVID, man, it put us down, but numbers are right back up. Man, we had 25 saved. We had 30 saved this week. Had 10 saved this week. Are we checking a box? Are we building stats? Is that what we're doing? You know, does that cause us to compromise truth if we do? Think about that. If that really becomes the goal, how close are we to compromising the truth a little bit to keep checking stats and keep seeing people say, or what if we push them into a program? Hey, man, you just walk through this program, pray the prayer, you're good. You just move through this presentation that we have because we repeat it for everybody. It's worked for a 100 people. It'll work for a 100 more. Look how Jesus spoke the truth with love. Let me show you. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 17. It's a simple little touch in this story, but it changes everything. It says, and as he, Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. And that's a little side note. That's Jesus saying, are you calling me God? Do you know who I am? Because he says, good teacher, good rabbi. And he's saying, are you calling me God? You know, only God is good. Are you calling me God? But he doesn't even give him a chance to answer because, in fact, he's not. But he doesn't even give him a chance to answer. And he says, verse 19, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to Jesus, teacher, all these things I've kept since I was a kid. And Jesus looking at him was to say, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. And he goes away sorrowful because he had a lot of possessions. So Jesus told him the truth in love. Looked at him, loved him, and told him the truth. Now, we can't see hearts like Christ can, but he still told him the truth. Speaking the truth in love as his disciples, having been set 
free means we are unified in mission. That we have, as disciples set free in Christ, in the truth, we have one mission and we're united. We're united in that mission. And it's bigger than just speaking the truth like a simple presentation. Jesus didn't say a response was the goal. He said a disciple was the goal. And Matthew 28, verse 19, if you've been around us any length of time, you've heard this multiple times. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Not taking a lot of time to unpack that. The key to all of that is the make disciples part. The baptism is their response to becoming a disciple. The teaching and observing all that he's commanded, those things are our responsibility as disciple makers to create in them what will be called a disciple. All right? How long would it take you to teach someone all that Jesus has taught you academically, theologically, experientially? the things that Jesus has done in and through your life? How long would it take you to teach somebody all that? Now, I'm not talking about walking through a workbook. Once they got all the blanks filled in, they're a disciple. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about you personally, you, individually teaching and training and walking and living and experiencing life with someone so that they are baptized and know all that Christ has done in your life. But to be honest here, it's not a quick response. And to be honest here, making disciples of Christ can sound like a biker gang. You know, we're the disciples of Christ. You know, it can sound like a biker gang to the world, to the world, not to us, but to the world. It can sound like we're a radical religious group and might get violent. And that, sadly, unfortunately, has happened in some cases. So in light of that, though... Why should, and this is the question I don't see get asked too often, but, but we are sitting on it here. Why should anyone, and I'm speaking for us, Salt River Community Church, why should anyone in Tempe, Arizona, or the East Valley of Phoenix, why should anybody care about a unified mission to make disciples? Why should they care? They're disciples of Christ in their community if they're not a believer. Why should they care? Well, what is... Jesus' word, the word that we abide in here, that we've gained truth from, that set us free, what does it say? What does Jesus say about that? I'll show you another one. Look at a familiar story, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. You've probably heard this story many times, but let's look at it again. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going, and this is the Levitical priest, uh, was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, which is a little less than a priest, uh, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who were hated by the Jews, so a, a half-breed they're called. There's racism in this. There's all kinds of things in this. This is that person. As he journeyed, he came to where this fallen Jewish man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out the two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when you come back. Now, I skipped purposefully, but let's look at what prompted that story. 
because you know the story. Let's look at what prompted it and what the takeaway is. Look at verse 25. This is how it started. A lawyer, a uh, that means somebody who knew the law of God, so it would be a Pharisee, a religious leader, stood up to point, put Jesus to the test. So they're testing him, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get to heaven? He said, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, and he said to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you'll live. So Jesus says, hey, end of story. You do that, you live forever. Obviously, the point here is that nobody does that. That's the problem. Even the person asking has not done that. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story. Then in verse 36, Jesus asks him, So which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said this, You go and do likewise. Just like before, he said, Do this and live. Now he's saying, "You." He didn't just say, Yeah, okay, if that ever scenario ever happens, if you respond that way, you're fine. No, he said, You go and do that. You go and live your life that way. Jesus is not claiming that being a good person is the ticket to heaven. The truth here is that a heart that's been truly changed by God will be one that would cross the road to take care of the man. A heart that's truly been changed by God, that loves God and loves his neighbor as himself, that person, that heart would stop. They would cancel all their personal plans. They would help. They would heal. They would sacrifice money and resources. They would hold no grudges with the person. They would give up position. They would give up image. They would bend down to help even racist enemies. They would provide love to anyone who needs it, especially those who need it the most. And not just in words, but in actions. They would do these things. We're called to do as Jesus said, as Jesus did, exactly as he did. We are to be his ambassadors, his witnesses, to make disciples of him, not us. Tempe doesn't need a disciple of David. Tempe needs a disciple of Christ. It's not us or what we think is best, what's the best looking disciple. We're supposed to replicate Jesus in those who believe in him. So, what's our mission? Why should uh, our community care? All right, we'll sum it all up really quickly here. Our mission is to make disciples who grow churches. That's what we're here for. That's what we moved here for because we believe churches change communities socially, economically, spiritually, physically, financially even. We believe churches change communities. So our mission is to make disciples who will grow churches. All right. Our vision, the way we're trying to kind of go about that is we're building personal relationships with people, individual personal relationships with people through loving unconditionally loving unconditionally through serving our neighbors serving our city serving the community through multiplying and that's making disciples who do the same who love and serve the community but again our values are key to everything unconditional love uncompromised truth unified mission and listen it has to be all free 
Okay, it has to be all three. Because what if, what if we love, but we don't know the truth? What if we know the truth, but we don't tell anybody? What if we tell the truth, but we don't love? What if we tell, but we don't teach? What if we teach, but we don't share our lives? What if we share our lives, but we don't actually make disciples? What if we make disciples, but we don't love and serve? What if we love and serve as disciples, but we don't focus on replicating disciples? What if we replicate ourselves and not Christ? That's why love, truth, and mission all have to be part of what we're doing. And why should our community, Tempe, care that we're a church in this community committed to making disciples? Why should anyone care? Well, here's why. I can give you lots of reasons, but I'll give you some. Because disciples of Christ love enemies in Tempe, Arizona. Disciples of Christ feed the hungry in Tempe, Arizona, or wherever you are. They heal the wounded. They visit those in prison. They pray for people in prison. They pray for leaders. They pray for communities. They pray for hurts. They pray for health. They proclaim that disciples of Christ proclaim the truth about sin. Disciples of Christ proclaim the hope of the gospel, the grace of God. Disciples show grace to those especially who need it the most. Disciples of Christ support restoration of families. We support the restoration of race, the restoration of economy. That's why disciples matter. And I pray that anybody who ever claims to be a disciple that came out of Salt River Community Church reflects all of that, beginning with me. Uh, if you want to, you know, our strategy, some people have asked for it. If you want that, like in a PDF or something, I can email you uh, information about us like that. But more importantly, if you want to be a part of us, if you want to come hang out with us, you, you like what you hear, you want to be a part of this, we want to hear from you. Again, hit us up online. Send us a message any way you want and connect with us, especially if, if you're in the valley. Hit us up. If you're in the East Valley in Tempe, hit us up. If you're not in the Valley, listen, here's how you can be part of this. Pray for us, number one. That is not anything remotely simple that I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to struggle in prayer for us. Greatest thing you can do for us, and I sincerely mean that. We would love for you to partner with us. Come out and visit. Come out and hang out with us. We love this city. We'll show you around. Come out and visit. Learn what we're doing. See what we're doing. How you can get involved. Um, you can support us, obviously. You can give online. We have a website. You can go there. You can figure out how you can give online. Or you can mail us checks. I mean, we'll take money however you want to send it. But I'm just saying. Um, listen, if you haven't given your life to Christ, if it's not happened for you yet, if you haven't done that, maybe you're holding on to sin. Maybe worse. Maybe sin is holding on to you. Maybe you feel like you're choking to death can't get free of it, can't get it off of you. Maybe guilt has you chained to the floor over something. Maybe depression and shame is surrounding you in darkness. I've been in some darkness like that. You can't see light anywhere. Here's the truth. There is freedom in Christ. 
That's what happened at the cross. Christ nailed your sin, my sin, to that cross and conquered death three days later. So the penalty of our sin, which is death, has no hold on you anymore. Darkness will have no hold on you anymore. The chains of sin have no hold on you anymore. You're free in Christ. You know, you abide in my word. You know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Can you trust him? Can you tell him, Jesus, I trust you today. I don't have all the answers. I can't explain it all, but I trust that what I'm hearing is true, and I give you my life. Say that to him. Hit us up. Let us know you did it. Let us pray with you. Let us help you become a disciple of Christ who can make disciples because a disciple is a huge blessing to this community and whatever community you're in. Let me pray. Jesus, I love you so much. I thank you for your word. It is incredible. Thank you for blessing us with the responsibility of seeing your church grow. And I pray that this church reflects Jesus and Jesus only, that those within this church reflect Jesus and Jesus only, that any disciples that come out of this church are disciples of Jesus and Jesus only. Help us love well. Help us be clear on the truth in love and help us accomplish what the mission is that you've laid in our path to make disciples who grow churches here in and out of Tempe. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.